Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog podcast. And it's another midweek Zoom session in between our busy days, our busy nights. And we've uh, got a fresh episode for you guys. So let's hope they enjoy it. I'm really excited. Really, really excited. I was going to, I thought you were going to say it's midsummer, and I was going to say, yeah, well, it, you, is, you, it and, is, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say, and you were wearing a, a hoodie jumper. On. Strangely, <laughs> well, we had a big southerly change um, last night, and it it was strangely cool here today. So, yeah, I've just got a light. It was so on. good. After the heat, it was nice to have a little refresher. I spent two days in the sun straight Free out. Free so. from the humidity. Yeah, I'm peeling on my back and stuff. <laughs> Shit. Damn it. <laughs> I thought I was working on the tan nicely. Well, today... We had, we kind of, I had two topics in mind that came up through the week. And then as I was speaking to Luke, you're like, I don't know. I think they're both the exact same thing. I'm like, damn, as I explained it, I think it is. Well, so. I think what we agreed on was there's probably not two, not quite two episodes in it. It's probably yeah. like one and a half episodes. So we'll, we'll bang it into one um, bumper episode for the exactly. listeners. Exactly. We're going we're to do the in sync. Well, being predictably unpredictable and every day is a trial day. Mm. So what the hell does that mean? I like the paradox. I like paradoxes because I think that represents life the most is that something's absolute, but it's not really absolute. Like, yes, like probability is a thing, but you can't do maths on your whole life and know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. But you know that things will happen. You know what I mean? And for our dogs, we want, what did you say when we were talking? You said something. I was saying I'm constantly, every time I'm with shadow and, and sometimes even when I'm, not and I'm thinking about training like I'm constantly thinking about how I never want him to be able to predict exactly what I'm going to do next mm-hmm. however on the same um, at the same time we still want our dogs to on some level be able to have routine and that kind of thing and to know what certain scenarios mean so that they get those patterns and they, they, you know what I mean? They learn to follow those, but within, within it, for example, like when we're doing a recall or something like that, I don't want him to be able to know when, and for example, when I'm going to recall him and that's going to signal the end of a session or when I'm going to recall him and that's going to lead to reinforcement. So that's kind of what I was referring to is that just that overall concept of, you know, intermittent or variable rewards in the sense that once we've taught him the behavior, I don't want him to, to be like, oh, this is the repetition that's going to lead to me going home or this is the repetition that's going to lead to me necessarily getting a reward. Mm. Oh, so then as we are chatting just before we record, and I think we have to bring that up is <clears throat> uh, because with spades, for example, six years or so on the job, maybe more, coming out doing a thing right now it is fully an unspoken spoken thing where we open the door he comes out he knows where to be he knows he knows how to help me work because Mm. we do it so often that we are in sync with it and being in sync together it's not that i'm being like i'm not focusing i'm not it's not a particular thing like it's not a particular sequence that i have to follow to make him understand it however of course i'm thinking about all these new things now introducing chili in the next couple of days 
three days time, it will be now four months is with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm obviously planning in four this. Four months on I'm, the job or four months with you? Four months just with me. Yeah. And maybe like then. Well, he only, you he was, had him he, working pretty soon. After yeah. That. Like it was within a week or so. Um, so with Chile, I'm obviously going through all these processes, the training process and the schedules and doing the thing and being very mindful in order. And I know it will happen where it will be effortless for us at the moment. It's very planned and prepared. So most people that are listening are in that planning and frozen because they want their dog to be better and they want to understand more. But remember that with age, things mature, they ferment. And as you are practicing these things, they just become, it's like you're raising a child, you're very routine. And then we talk about routine and structure and structure is more important because for example, I went out the back just then and it's around the time ish of being fed, but my dogs don't, know when they're going to get fed. They don't know when yep. they're going to go for their yep. walk. So they're, look, yeah, they're looking at me, but, oh, maybe, I don't know. And But it's mm. not like they're losing their mind, but they're, mm. they're keen on me. They're they know you're out. not going to, like, not feed them, but that doesn't mean that the inmates get fed at 5 p.m. every yes. day. Do you know what yes. I mean? There's a range, let's say it's between, I don't know, 4 p.m. and, what, 7, something like that. Mm-hmm. Where they oh, for me, have, it's between four and like 10. There you go, right? Yeah. So they know that we, at some point near to when the sun goes down, they're going to get fed. Exactly. But that's not going to be the same time every day. No. And that's, and we've talked about, you've talked about this before, um, that's where problems can start to happen. Mm. If you feed your dog at 6.55 p.m. every day of the week, then on the one day you don't, and you know it gets to 7 p.m. and he's like, dude, my dinner's five minutes late. Mm. And, and even more fantastic about that it's not psychological it's neurological he can't even control the hormones that are being secreted at six mm. o'clock because his body clock is six o'clock it's happening and now he's frustrated agitated he's he starts to wind up and be all irritated and then you come and it's like hey bro i can't feed you today you're getting dissex tomorrow or, or or you've had diarrhea and you, i'm gonna fast you for today and you know or nookie the other day just had to go to the vet she was like laying in the most weirdest spot in the backyard tongue was hanging out excessive drooling mm. and i'm like well, i know this isn't good it was a hot day as well so I'd rush to the vet on a Sunday. Always a Sunday, man. What's up with the Sundays and dogs getting sick and stuff? You just love so, paying those Sunday rates. It's yeah. the worst, man. Anyway, so I went there. Luckily, we know each other. We took him out the back. We did an x-ray on her. I was like, I put the gear on and I was like helping take the x-ray. It was pretty cool. And um, so we saw that it wasn't very clear. But anyway, so I fasted her that night, didn't exercise her. The next day, the plan was to do another x-ray, but she was looking significantly better. And that evening, she... Um, she did a poo and actually the poo looked normal, but I'm happy that she did that. She passed something through. It means that she wasn't too blocked the day after it was all this ropey toy that Chili had uh, destroyed. And then she swallowed it because it's a newer toy yeah. idiot. And then um, luckily it passed through. It wasn't too hard and it all came out. But that day that she didn't get fed, there was a reason. Hey, I have to fast you today. You have to have nothing in your stomach. You drink your electrolyte water and we'll see how we go tomorrow sort of thing. Now she was looking around, but you know what? She, after, at a certain time, I think she knew like it's not happening and she just hung out. She was not freaking out through the night. I think that's really cool. And, um, but back to thinking about Chili and Shadow and we're preparing them to be dogs. We need to have a sense of routine and structure and we're really effortful. And then eventually everyone here, I'm assuming, wants to be so in sync with their dog where if it happened to be that they walked outside and they went up to the corner to say hi to Marge and then come back home and your dog happened to follow you and pee on a tree along the way and sat and waited to have a chat and come back. I think that's a dream for everyone. Right. Mm. So 
It doesn't happen. Some dogs can just do it. Some people are just natural at it and it just happens. And some people are jealous of that. They're like, he doesn't even try. And it must be in their personality. It must be in the dog. There's, you know, so many moving parts that makes that a thing. But we all know that it's not always that easy. So we want to put things into value. So I thought, and we were discussing that it's important that we we talk about dopamine again, because the more I listen to dopamine, everyone's talking about it. I think the more we talk about it over and over again, the more we start to understand it. Because I, I always learn something new about it every single time we chat. But, um, and also I think when we discussed about Robert Sapolsky's dopamine jackpot, we fully butchered that. Or well, I butchered it when I was trying to explain it. Obviously you can watch him speak about it and heaps of other um, you know, scientists talk about it, but yeah, if you just go on YouTube and Google um, Robert Sapolsky dopamine jackpot, there's a good YouTube video on there. He's about awesome. 15 minutes long, I think, of him explaining it to like mm. an academic audience. Um, are we going to try and explain it here? Well, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to just not talk about what he spoke about, but let's just talk about it generally about basically that same experiment. So remember, everyone's thinking. Again, most people think dopamine is about rewards and it is, it's about, it's, it's eventually about rewards, but, you, but it's not when you get rewarded, you get dopamine. It's not that. And we have to really understand it for it to be, to understand what it means to be predictably unpredictable. So they did this experiment where they had monkeys, they had a light, they had a lever, they had a food paste, I mean, a food machine, let's just say it gives them bananas. The light turns on and the monkeys understand through the process of this experiment. When the light turns on, it's an opportunity that when you pull that lever, the banana will come on a mm -hmm. continuous schedule, which means every single effort of pulling the lever, you will get one unit of food. Mm -hmm. And that's important because the initial um, requirement to get, to get to an eventual intermittent schedule of reinforcement is that you first must teach, like it's like setting the contract you pull this lever, you get a banana. Oh, sorry, the light goes on. It's your opportunity to pull the lever and then you get a banana. Because remember, there's no, nothing happens when the light's off. You can pull the lever as much as you want. You know yeah. nothing happens. It's a signal. And yeah, when teaching a new command to your dog, you want to be on a continuous schedule, reward every single effort mm -hmm. towards a behavior that you want because we want to keep them um, showing more effort towards the end result. And so, we're, we're, yeah, we're establishing that contract being like, you do this, I give you this, you do this, exactly. I give you this, right? Until, until it becomes very reliable and then we can shift. And then we shift it. it. Yep. So when these um, scientists were doing this experiment, they were anticipating that the dopamine will enter or be released in the, in the monkey's brain when they, were, when they had access to the, the reward, the banana. Mm. But they see that the dopamine started coming into, the, um, into their system when the light turned on. It's when opportunity for work, means that dopamine came out. And remember, dopamine is one of those things that drives you and motivates you for movement to do something so that you can get that reward. And remember, I believe as well that I think dopamine is one of those things that, yes, it feels good, but it also, as Andrew Huberman says, there's also another molecule that comes with it that makes it uncomfortable. It's the craving part. It's you get it, all right, more. It's, yeah, it's more. often referred to as the molecule of more. There's yes. actually a book called There's actually a book called The Molecule of More, which is specifically oh, awesome. about dopamine. I I haven't read it, but I'm pretty sure. In fact, I'm pretty sure I heard about it from from Dr. Huberman's podcast or mm. a clip of him on YouTube. And oh, he's like, a oh, best. That sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, there's another book called Dopamine Nation, which is more to do with humans um, than than dogs. Um, as far as I know, the Dopamine Nation is 
more about like our how a lot of our lives now are very dopaminergic in the sense of like social media and those kinds of instant and less of the serotonin be yeah. in the moment be in the in the moment with your loved ones or with the thing with now, the thing that you love to be and an the- important distinction to make is that again the molecule of more so the the, net, the kind of description gives you the hint is that dopamine is about the the anticipation of reward and so that's what they discovered with the experiment was that dopamine was highest when the signal um, came on, right? And that actually signaled that the pleasure was coming. Not that the pleasure was right there. The banana hadn't come yet, but that's when the dopamine was highest. Exactly. Because it has, it's supposed to get you moving. You, you hunted yesterday. You, and Okay. So let's just, we'll explain the rest of the thing and then we can talk about that because it makes sense. So they did that experiment, blah, blah, They understand this is the level of dopamine when the light turns on, not when the monkey gets a banana. Actually, in fact, as soon as the monkey gets the banana, dopamine completely disappears. When the mm. reward comes, there is no more dopamine, so to speak. So then when they then switched that continuous schedule of reinforcement, every time the, they um, they pull the lever, they get the food, they went to intermittent randomly. You don't know when it doesn't happen every second or third, completely random. Light turned on, they pull it and you'd think, oh my gosh, you're probably going to get pissed off and not be that motivated. But actually they realized in that schedule of reinforcement that when the light turned on, their dopamine rose by double or triple. And again, we've spoken well, about they, that. They, they found that it was a direct reverse correlation. So what that means was initially they went to, so let's say it was 10 times and they were the continue, the, the initial stages would be 10, 10 repetitions, 10 bananas. Right. And then once the monkey understands what that, like sequence is going to get them when they pull the lever. They then went to a 50% reinforcement. So, so five bananas out of 10 times. And what they found was that, so that's 50%, right? Or Mm -hmm. half, but it was inverse. So what they found was that the dopamine levels would double when it was at a 50% schedule. And then they went to 25% and the dopamine levels were four times higher when they went there to 25%. So it's like a direct mm. inverse relationship, which is pretty wild. Heaps wild because, again, when we tell our dogs to do something, there's that predictability, but it's unpredictable is that we don't know when, but when it's been given, when the command has been said, mm. it then turns on the dog to be like, oh, my goodness, it's ready to happen. And the reason why I say this to my clients, be unpredictably, be predictably unpredictable is don't walk down the street, put your hand in the pouch, the rustles around, blah, blah. Dog no, can see your hand in the pouch. So he starts to look at you and he gets fed. Even further from that, you put the pouch on, you got the ball in your hand, you got all these, you're showing all these cues. The dog's like, obviously, we're the the signal the the signal is these things the pouch, yeah. pouch hands the context ball. of exactly uh, we're so dog street doing you know we're in the environment also you're wearing the pouch also I can smell the food I can see the ball like exactly stuff. even environment that's so important especially what I found in Chile with Chile is that different drive different location in a big open green space he's like staring at me while we're walking, just checking in, checking in, checking in, because he's like, oh my gosh, in this sort of environment, this is where I normally get the ball. He will say a command. And he's now, he's picked up the chain of events. He's chained right through to be, we're in a green space. So now I'm witnessing that. And there's times where I won't give him the ball in those moments. And actually, in fact, this morning, I pulled him out because I didn't need him for session one. So he stayed in the car for like an hour and a half. And when I pulled him out, they want to see the dog. So when I pulled him out, I told him to do the middle command. And he did it, you know, 
like I wouldn't he's say still, like he's he still snapped. working on it, right? Yeah, he didn't snap into it. Like if he knew I had the ball in my hand, videos. He's still working on it. He's doing well, but it's not like you know. Yeah, like we, we he's not. So if I had the ball in my hand and I said you know middle, he'd ah, and smash into it. Where we come out of the car and there's people there, and it's like oh, normally we do long boring downs right now, you know. And in that moment, I asked him middle, and then he did it, and he did it as I said like behavior. at like a seventy percent drive. And I marked it and threw into the random driveway. And he's like, oh, what? Yeah. He's like, even on the footpath in the random when I come out. So now I'm going to start to make it so random. And I started doing that with Nookie when she didn't listen to me in certain places and in other places she did. It's because the same thing happened. So I wanted to produce not just food because it's not the highest, it's not the primary reward for the dog. For Chili, it is that ball. Mm. So using the ball in those random environments, I still want sharp, good, um, clean behaviors and again i use the example of him running off with ducks the other day and people are listening going the hell man put your dog on a freaking lead um and regardless let's say he was on a long lead anyway and he was playing with the dog he ducked off into the random front yard which was connected to the park it was just there it was only like 20 meters from me he went in but all i could see was his tail up and I, and i knew he saw something whether it was a cat a dog or something it was most likely a cat i think the, the owner of of my client and my client he said yeah, there's a cat that lives there. So as soon as I saw that, Chili, Ella, running straight up to me like crazy man. And I'm like, good boy, gave him a little pat and okay. And then he walked off. No ball, no food for that particular, but I still got that intensity. And obviously this kind of tethers into, well, every day is a trial day because comp if you're training a dog for competition and from the things that I watch and try to learn is the point of training in terms of working on that trial day, the competition day is that in competition day, the dog's naked, no collars, no leads, no food. The dog has My to go stakes. through its sequence and fulfill all of the things that you've trained. And he's thinking the whole time, oh my God, I'm going to get rewards some, at some stage of this. Depends on how you train, but if you train like us, mm. then that's what he's thinking. And then also he's like, I haven't got anything on me, but I do it anyway because this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. And on trial day, you do the whole 45 minute thing and you get your points. Tomorrow, you go back to training, you go back to rewarding randomly. In that one day, he's hoping that he'll get rewarded. But if you keep doing that all the time, like trial, 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 every day, no food, no reward, no no um, physical control, why would he do it? He would check out or he would do it very flat and not impressively anyway. So I guess it's, it's another kind of a paradox because I want him to perform and do it his best when I ask for it. Because in that moment there, who knows, you walk up to the cat and the cat swipes him. Or he's in somebody's property anyway, he shouldn't be there. So when I tell him to come, he comes. So do you have anything to add before I continue? I think um, you touched on a couple of interesting things there in terms of the trial. And it's um, like the fact that they're naked and that kind of thing. But also I think, and I've heard, um, I think Pat talk about this as well, is like the importance long-term of getting to indirect rewards is because like you were saying earlier, the dog learns to read the pouch is on that kind of thing. The ball is under the arm or whatever it is. And so they, they start to read those signals. Whereas, and I've tried to do this as much as possible with shadow and I'm, he's a dog. I'm not stupid. I know he can smell food, but like very, very often, a few times a week, um, I will take his dinner in a glad bag and it's well secluded inside my pocket. Um, and I will jackpot him at some point during the training session for his, either his breakfast or his dinner. And I don't show that food to him. Now, obviously he can smell it, but. but you can I'm, combat that by just on the other days, just have food in your pocket. Yeah. I'm, I'm 
I've seen the reaction on his face enough times to know that he was genuinely surprised by Perfect. that jackpot. You Good. like his body language doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. I can see it. He just like he's vibrating when I yeah. when I mark it and I jackpot him and I dump that whole meal. I'm 100% convinced that it was a in Well, I know what you're saying actually because I had Chili's breakfast on me today and I didn't do much with him the morning and he's just kind of basically chilling out. And then I'm like, ah, I was like between second and third session. So I had like a maybe a, a half a cup and I just said yes randomly. He's like, oh, you're going to give me something. And I emptied all of it. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> As you're saying, right, you you can tell, yes, he smelled that. I think that food, like there's always food somewhere in the car. So for him, it's like, yeah, there's food always, but yeah, doesn't mean anything. It's just normal. It's now desensitized. It's not like mm-hmm. no food, no food, no food. Hey, today I think he's got food in the car. I can smell it. This is crazy. Of course, yeah. only he's going to be. So we have to be careful of these signals. But again, I don't want everyone to think when they're listening, we have to be so, 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 so regimented about every everything we do because that kind of becomes robotic. It's nothing replicable that we can continue doing it. And can you be predictably unpredictable when you're so you know, mechanical or robotic or, yeah, I guess scientific about mm. it? It has to, you know, we suppose I was, I was, I guess I was hardly thinking about all this stuff. So- there is an element of the dogs that we want. For example, our dogs, when they come to work with us, is that, and actually now there's so, like, I don't even have to say anything to Chile. He's reading it very well. He's getting it so much better every day. He's like, oh, yeah, we're doing this now. Yesterday was the funniest. I was, I guess it wasn't that funny. Um, only after it's funny. So I have this bull Arab um, mix. He's like a great mix with great day, and he comes well above my hip. And Going through ordinary first session, work no markers, basic training, leash handling, all the sort of stuff, understanding what a slip lead is, getting the dog off the halty because the dog just didn't care about it and can do a lot of damage to himself. And we went for a walk and everything was cool. But they go, yeah, pounds, but when the dog comes out, it's all over. So we put Chili, Chili out, put him in a down, and I and I walked past. Now he saw him, and when we got maybe he was probably um, Chili was probably like three meters away um, off the footpath, and as we got close-ish to him. This dog is so strong. My God, just down and pulling out. No aggression, but just super boisterous and super rude. Chili is 17 kilos. Getting stomped on by this 40 kilo dog or 50 kilo dog would be super rude, right? So in that moment, I had to pull on the slip lead and pull him back. And in that moment, he his reaction was to jump up onto me to stop me. His dew claw scratched my right shoulder and like ripped my shirt. So it was like full, like shirtless on my arm, scratched my back again, nothing like he was trying to like attack me. He was just reacting to the correction. And that was it. It was a one correction. He reacted. I pulled him again. He stopped. I told him to sit. He sat, he looked at chili. I marked it. I knew he wasn't stressed because he took the food. And that was a significant correction enough for me to walk up, come back, walk past him. And anyway, and then the rest of the session went on. People were very happy. The dog understood. Hopefully we're going to see each other a couple of weeks and we'll continue. In the moment of the wrestle, while I'm up there and I'm bah, and the dog's on top of me, I mark yes to, to Chili in his own marker, and I and I start throwing some of his food to me while I'm wrestling the dog. And I'm mindful. I'm mindful that hey, I'm in the down. Dog's doing ridiculous behavior. I still get rewarded. Awesome. I'm just going to hang out. Panos won't let the dog come up onto me. I want him to feel good about it, especially since the begin the end of last year, a couple of weeks ago, he. We had a couple of closer incidents where dogs lunged a little bit too close to him and he was very um, unimpressed by that. And mm. you can see that he was – actually, that was close to when we did our thing mm-hmm. with um, – shadow. We, we shadow and you can see there was a bit of like, ah, – so I had to, I've been working on that and fixing that and it's been a, bit, a lot less. 
Um, actually, in He's fact, like, come on, dad, right? you got my back or what? Yeah, it's like, so while the dog's on top of me and I'm like telling him to get off me while he's ripping my shirt, I mark and reward a couple of times to Chili and, and we continued. And um, anyway, it was, I thought it was pretty funny. So again, there's another sort of moment that I can set myself up. Now, for me, it's not really an effort. I've got a pouch on me. I know all these things and timing. So for me, it's just like, yeah, it's just another thing that happens. When you're starting to work on this, I want you to start thinking about get that food and put it in your pocket. Um, put the pouch on a car bonnet of your neighbor's house and go close to there, do your downstay. So your dog doesn't know you got the food on you or um, have the ball on you. And instead of go through the park and go to the park where you normally throw the ball and do your training, I want you to go through the park with no ball. And then when you get close to your, you know, that's, you know, a neighbor's front yard, if it's appropriate, if you know your neighbors or, or somewhere where it's where your dog's not going to expect it, reward it. Don't just put the long lead on every time you do ball play because then he's going to realize it's a long lead that, you know, leads to that. So, or not always off the lead, sometimes on the short leads, be so predictably unpredictable. The structure of what you do is going to happen. Your dog knows it's going to happen. It's the command that really brings on the, oh my gosh, I may get something huge for this. That's what we kind of want at the beginning. Once we start to proof these behaviors, again, depending on what you want, are you competing your dog? Are you, um, everyday person just taking a dog down the street or you dog trainer that want their dog to perform. You kind of want an element of this is what we're doing, but anything can happen. I think, I don't know if I was saying this to you or if I was saying this to my client just at the end of the set today was that you, I think I was saying to you, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. My calendar is set for the whole day. It's a busy day tomorrow. Mm. So, but how do we know what's going to happen tomorrow? You don't. You know what I mean? So you it's almost. You, you think you do. Exactly. And you'd be surprised. And, and, it could be the best day. Most of like, you know, most of that is going to happen. There might be a, a slight change, but everything in between is. Um, well, know. What did could, John you, Lennon say? Life is what happens while you're busy making plans. Yes. Right? And it's true. So it's true. Like, it's, it is predictable. The only thing that is predictable is the unpredictability. And that's kind of what we're getting at here, right? Exactly. Well, for the from the dog's mind as well, it's that, yeah, he comes in the front yard, doesn't do it, or he does in the backyard, not in the front yard or vice versa. Or And also like, you know, obviously understanding your dog's patterns of behavior and knowing, well, man, out of nowhere, my dog lunged at this dog. I'm like, well, was it really out of nowhere? Yeah. Like, how can it be out of nowhere? Who? Yeah, like I could say, it's like, grab your dog now, grab, grab your dog now. Oh, God, uh, what, what happened? And, of course, we talked about having awareness around you, what's happening. But also, you you think your dog's predictably unpredictable, then we're not studying them enough or we're not studying the environment enough or we're – I guess we're just not paying attention. You know what I mean? Like most dogs and most behaviors, gen- if we're talking generally, it's all pretty predictable. You know, like are you paying attention to your dog's behavior? I want our dog to be so open that um, they're not they're not studying us to the T. But then, you, and this is the the way we want to kind of wrap it up to be on the flip side to be. But don't you want your dog to read you and to understand you and know context? So it's a it is a bit of a tough one. I guess it depends on how. I won't say boring your life is, but how regimented your regimented your life is. Predictable your predictable life. Predictable your life. Yeah. Are you going to be that predictable person doing the boring thing over and over again? Maybe you are that, and no offense, it is what it is. Um, and, hey, if that works for you, that's cool. But I think spice it up a little bit. I think this is another cool um, example because I went to um, jiu-jitsu yesterday for the first time in like seven months. felt amazing. Actually, in fact, I wasn't even sure if I was going to go, but then 
I got home. It was the right amount of time. I'm like, I'm 100% going. Mm. It was a good little light roll. Had a good time. And I bet coming you back, you went. oh my God, I came back and Tanya, Tanya asked me, how do you feel? And I feel, mm. and I said, I just feel so like light. There was three monkeys that chucked off my back yesterday. And it was seven months of being eager to get back to it after all the shit that we went through. And to be able to do it, number one was good, was number one. And also I think this was um, interesting because I had a couple of, you know, realizations yesterday, but so we were on a client before it was a couple with a cute little um, eight month old staffy. And we're talking about these exact same things. That's why it's fresh to talk about it today. And he said, and I said, you play a sport. He goes, yeah, I play soccer. I'm like, you love it. I was like, yeah, I love training. And I would say, well, imagine you came home on a Thursday and you normally train on Thursdays, but let's just say grounds were wet. And, you know, and you can't train and you get home and then your missus is like, oh, it's late night shopping. Did you want to come shopping? And shopping is like the boringest thing that you want to do because it sucks. And you're like, babe, I can't because, you know, you know, and, and you may be feeling tired and bad and worn out. But then let's just say 20 minutes later, get the call. Hey, actually, training's back on. It's like, oh, babe, we've got to go training's on. And you fly out the window, at the door, not at the window. And then you get to training and you think, what the hell is all that about? I thought you were tired and sore and you were exhausted from the heat today. How, how are you training? And it's like, well, I had an extra drive. You wouldn't say I had enough dopamine to go soccer and not go shopping. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so what are you? Your dog's got the choice. Chase the dog or chase the bird or whatever or come back to you. Hmm. And now we're talking more on the positive side. Why should your dog come? There's another reason why your dog should come is that, well, I don't want to get corrected either. I don't want to get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like that has to be a part of the conversation too. But here we're talking about more the, the potential for reward side of things um, because I think it's interesting that we don't, we don't want to see it so black and white. Do the thing, you do the thing, I'll give you the thing. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. It's a little bit more, there's a flair to it. There's an artistic form that you, you want your dog to be thinking because you can be doing these sort of um, basic training for six months, but then you're going to ask the question, what the hell, where do I go from here from now? How do I make it that the dog just does it? And that's a proof to behavior. I you, think know? you made a good point there that is very nuanced. And that's a thing with dog training. And that's something that can be hard to get across to your everyday client is that like there's layers to this and like us as dog trainers, like I'm learning something new every time I train a dog, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so for sure it's the same for the clients. Like there's, it's not just like, Oh, we do a couple of lessons and like everything's, everything's done. You know what I mean? Like there's layers upon layers upon layers and like it's, it can be hard to try and get all of that across because we know a certain amount of information, but to help your everyday person to understand that, that in itself is a skill that I'm constantly trying to work on to take what's inside my head and help someone else understand that without necessarily them having to be as technical as maybe you or I can be. That's, that's quite hard. And it's also about making it, this is what I said today this is a cool one. Rit rituals that are performed regularly becomes a way of life, right? Mm -hmm. And you would say like Buddhism isn't a religion, it's a way of life. A lot of people say, I'm not a theologian to understand if that's actually true or not, but I think there's something to it. It's like, no, it's not a dogma that you uh, you follow it to the T. It's a, it's their, their like suggestions. Let's just say, okay, maybe let's not talk about Buddhism. Let's just talk about just 
the system that I teach, I don't have a system that I teach. There's no like one thing. It's, it's, there's equations and there's like generalities, but then you were adopting it to the person, the analogies you say to that individual, the, the way that you read their body language and their patterns and understand, like, look at the stuff in the house and how they dress is a certain type and a body. Uh, it's a certain personality. So then you, the way that, you know, the difference between Donna, who's 52 with five kids and, you know, and David who lives on his own, there's, we, we, we're talking different, it's also different lifestyles, what I could expect from them, the dog they have. And obviously, you know, what breed and age and all that sort of stuff. But what you're saying is, this is guidelines and yes we've we're, we're trying we're, we're trying to be practitioners of psychology and behavior essentially and modifying behavior to suit our needs and give the dog the illusion of control that he does this stuff because it's his idea and not mine and we do this together and it's fun it's engaging and we love to teach our dog stuff because it stimulates them all these things right and they're all words again you listen to a podcast you're listening to words dog training is not just even looking at it it's a feeling it's like, you know, when I, when I was um, rolling yesterday, it was, it was, a, there was like the right after when I was hanging out in a bit of meditation time, I was thinking it was interesting. It felt like, cause it has been so long since I've, I felt the feeling I was like thinking back is that while I was there, it was an unspoken language, physical, there's no talking when you're wrestling mm. and my eyes weren't closed, but it was like, if I look back on it, it was like my arms and legs and limbs and my body had eyes and it's a physical touch of and feeling that it was that sense which made me understand where his arm was and where his leg was. I didn't see it. I didn't necessarily see it, but I felt it. And I think when you have a dog on the leash and you're walking and you can feel, I can feel the dog about to pull. I can see a dog in the distance and know the dog that I have and I know when they're about to pull. I know when to reward. I know when to put a bit of leash pressure. It's, it's feeling. Feeling is understanding is what Wim Hof says. Um, rather than, Hey, look, I've got this cool thing here. It's a, um, like affirmations, little kind of cards. Oh yeah. That's cool. And like, every time I see it, I just kind of change the card, but this one was cool. Tell me and I'll forget, show me. And I may remember involve me and I'll understand. Mm. I like today that. in through the podcast, we're telling you, you look at our Instagram and YouTube, then we'll show you. But once you're involved with a trainer and going through the motions specifically to your needs, because Donna who's 52 and David is 26. Hey, it's a different, different way to hold the leash. Yeah, you got arthritis, are you strong? Are you fit? Are you running your dog every day? You guys are like, mate, I'm on the bike and I go and I do cat two Ks in the morning. And then he comes to work with me and we do this. I'm like, bro, this is awesome. He wants to work on his dog that's off the leash when he's on the work site. Compared to Donna's like, I want my dog to stop barking when my friends, my friends come over. Um, two different people, two different type of dogs, but mm. and, and the concepts that we've learned are all the same, but now we're applying them differently everywhere. And also you want to get this sense of, as we said, we, can we call it the nuance to it? It, it, it? Can we can we share the, who was it? I think it was like, you know, Robert Malone. Are we allowed to say that? We're going to get deep platform. I was into him on Joe Rogan. He says, I think it was him. And he says, I don't want to teach people how, what to think. I want to teach people how to think. Mm. And like, we've all heard that before. And that's legit. It's like, we're trying to teach you how and understand the concepts is that be random and, and also approve the behavior. Remember the learning phase, a training phase and the proofing phase. These are three phases of a behavior and the proof behavior would be spades is down. He holds that down every single time until I release him. He may or may not get rewarded. Most of the time he doesn't get rewarded. I really hardly have to correct him because he just does it because he understands it. And 
that is you would call the the end result, I guess. But um, it's always being refined. But it's not with me in spades. It's not a I'm doing a training session with him now. The training session I would do with him is like random fun tricks, just because we're doing stuff. But the functional things that I ask him to do, like come over here and walk next to me and jump in the car, that's just language I just share with my dog. I just I talk to him and he does things. So mm. I think to wrap it up, we want to use all the concepts that you're learning about dog behavior and training and put it into a way that is something that's replicable that you can do all the time. Just like when you learn about nutrition, you, you don't have to be a nutritionist, but you learn a few things. It's great. Now, what are you going to put into your mouth and into your body that's going to help you from here on out? It's cool that you can learn about all the supplements and yeah, eat at this time and do, do this at that time but it's doing it and then finding what works for you and then making it just so, so much of a ritual that it becomes a way of life that you just think I eat steak once a week and I have a fast day on Monday and I do this and it's just what I do because it feels all right. And yeah, I did a bit of research and I plucked a bit of things here and there and I had to put myself into a bit of a habit and a journal and blah, blah, blah. But now it's just what I do. I can't explain it. And I think that's where we want to get to. That's why being predictably unpredictable is so we can easily or easier get to a place of um, where our dog fully understands what it is that we need to do in the life that you live with your dog, whatever that happens to be. I like it. Oh, cool. That was exciting. Um, hope that makes sense. And, you know, you kind of went on different tangents there, but um, it was, um, it was we really went, fun. We went around in a bit of a loop and I think we came back hopefully pretty well. So Yes. Just every time you think about it, when are you dopaminergic for something and, and I guess it's a little reminder for everybody. Yeah, it's great to have dopamine, be driven, be goals and do all your stuff and do all the cool things. I'm fully down with you. I will also say find time to be in the here and now, be, be passive and do some meditation, some light breath work and visit your grandma and do the things that bring on serotonin and oxytocin in your system, not just dopamine to keep going, 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 you know, and, and it's, um, it's, it's a real, that was a real valuable um, bit of advice that I got. Every active thing you do, you got to do a passive. And I think that's what stops us from going crazy. So um, if, and if, any, if anyone's interested just quickly as well, I was just quickly jumped on Amazon. Um, the two books that we mentioned or that I mentioned dopamine nation is by Dr. Anna Lem Lemke. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And the other one was the molecule of more. So they're both on dopamine. So if you want to get a little bit nerdy, you can check those out. Heavy. I love it. Hey, look, I don't know if the, um, if I, if I can give a recommendation, I heard you saying something and it reminded me of the book, the talent code. It is not about what drives you, but it's about what keeps a behavior or what makes talent, what makes skill. It's all about myelin and the nervous system and all that. I think that's something that when we talk about reflex and reflexive behaviors, I think it's something, you know, like what was something that you did when you were young? Did you ride a skateboard? Um, I loved riding my bike when I was a kid, my mountain bike. That okay. Was thing. Yeah. And I think a bike's really easy. Um, how about let's just use the bike, right? You haven't ridden a bike from since you were 10 years old. Mm. Or 12 years old, maybe it's probably better. And let's say you pick up a bike at 30 mm -hmm. and you jump on it, you're most likely not going to be like, you know, super awesome. But after a couple of wobbles and, oh, yeah, I got this, boom. That's myelin. That's your system of, of nervous system working together to do that particular thing. 
the more you practice something, the stronger your nervous system and the wiring becomes a fire at the same time. So you can do those things. That's why like, you know, being a, a musical instrument and again, with our dogs, what is it that makes them do that? Yeah, we have motivation. I know we keep talking about dopamine. I don't want to keep using it because I think the importance is, yes, okay, you've got this drive. Oh my gosh, I've got dopamine. And it's like, and I'll ask the question, so what are you going to do with it? Like someone takes speed, right? And it doubles their dopamine. It's like, awesome. Are you going to plug away at your project or are you going to waste it by just dancing in the field? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't um, enjoy and dance in the field. Maybe you shouldn't take speed. But if you're going to take something that's going to have the coffee, you're going to have the coffee, you energize, maybe we'll talk about something that's legal. And then you take the coffee. Like, for example, I had a little bit of coffee before I came onto this. I normally wouldn't drink coffee at seven o'clock at night, but I had a little tiny bit because, hey, I've been talking all day. And I want a little bit of extra kick. And I know it gives me dopamine because now I'm going, but I've used it to direct it to this. I didn't have the, do- the, 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 the caffeine and then to sit on my couch and watch TV. I don't think that's necessary. So I think that's my philosophy. You, you, we, we, we're producing dopamine in our dogs to do certain things. For what? What are you doing? What are you working towards? And that goes back to listen, listening to the goals episode. So boom, that's me. Love y'all. Thank you. Good. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As usual, if you um, got something out of it, let us know. Please. Let us, let us know Love if there's feedback. something you'd like us to talk about. Hey, we need more people. Go on iTunes and give us some ratings or reviews or whatever. Please just do that for us. And just write a couple of things because that gives us some dopamine too. <laughs> I needed some dopamine for this. <laughs> no, I don't really. I love doing this. I can't stop talking, bro. We've got to finish it now. I think yeah, I'll, I'll keep jabbering on. In, yeah. yeah, I'm having a little bit of beer too. So tonight's all about it's a the, good, um, the supplements. Yeah, but I still got to walk the dogs and feed them. It's 8.30. I've had my dinner though, so um, I'm on top of it. I'm going to go enjoy the walk. Decompress. Thanks, Much love. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram, and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website, npdogtraining.com, or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, dot uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.